Oh, hey there. Welcome to another episode of the California Penal League podcast. I am hitting you up before the festivities begin to give you fair warning. Uh, this uh, week's episode is going to be about our all-time favorite Cleveland Indians lineups. This is the final season of the era of the Cleveland Indians, so this is a kind of nice bookend to this era of the team. So we're getting into our all-time favorite Cleveland Indians lineups. The fair warning part is that we recorded this, believe it or not, before the season ever began. So we kind of had this in our back pocket. Um, we want to take a you know little break from some in-season fun. There have been a lot of wild uh, trade deadline stuff, uh, which we are going to be talking about uh, in an, our next episode after this. But uh, right now, we're taking a little reprieve, talking about our all-time favorite Indians lineups. And you are going to hear some things that may shock and scare you because, like I said, this was recorded uh, I don't even think Francisco Lindor had been traded yet. That's how far back this goes. So again, you might be frightened by what you hear in a few places. So again, fair warning, but I think it's a great episode and I want to hear your favorite lineups as well. So be sure to hit us up, especially if you uh, want to tear us apart. That's always good. I welcome it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. We wear caps and sleeves at this level, son. Understood? What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the California Penal League Podcast. Uh, I am Steve. With me, as always, is Anthony Fabiano, Chris Slocum. Hello, gentlemen. Hey. Hello. Hi. We are uh, currently in... Dad? <laughs> no, he's not coming. I know I tricked you into thinking he was coming. We were going to reconcile. Week, it's next week. <laughs> we were going to reconcile. This is how we get you on the show every week. We tell you that that he's coming and that he wants to finally apologize. And yeah, he wants to play. Every- he wants to have a catch with me. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, maybe next week. You'll, but also, you'll have to uh, put together a spring training preview. So okay, perfect. Yep. <laughs> Will he be proud um, of mine? Most well, we'll definitely. Just, we'll just have to see if he comes on, and he'll let you know himself. We are currently in uh, two. I think I believe we have completed two games of Cactus League action of uh, spring training action. A um, couple items of note: Bobby Bradley has lost thirty five pounds and he's mashing some homers. That's pretty cool. Still, yeah. St- uh, so he is. Uh, I don't know if I'd say the inside track this early in spring training for the first base job, but eh, he's looking like he's ready to compete. So that's probably the biggest piece of information from spring training so far. So. With that being said, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Fabs, you had a very excellent idea. We are going to do our all-time favorite, each of us, our all-time favorite Indians lineup. So there's a little bit of leeway here. As Chris had described it before we recorded, it could be our all-time most favorite bestest Indians lineup ever, which means it doesn't necessarily have to be like the best ever lineup. It could be a little more fun. It could be a little, little cheeky with it if we need to be. But it still pretty much is going to be a legit lineup. And I have my it's reasons. It's going to be really good. Unless, like, I know you're not putting Casey Blake at third base, Chris. So never, ever, ever. Gun, <laughs> but he had to that my hitting head. streak. He had the hitting Gun streak. to my head, and I would <laughs> still be like, pull it, leave it open, leave it open. <laughs> Just hope, hope no one hits it. Just like an eternal shift. Yep. So we're doing, uh, yeah, our all-time favorite lineup. So I, th- I figure the easiest way to do this, in the most fun and suspenseful way will be that like we'll each go and do our infields and then we'll do our outfields. We'll do our rotation and then we'll do our bullpens. 
I have no, some I, bench players too. Did you really throw some bench guys in there? Yeah, I did a 25 man roster. Oh my god. Okay, I didn't do a 25 man. I'm like four <laughs> dudes short, but I I'm did do like a full close. 13 man bullpen. So I'm you were 13 close. man bullpen? <laughs> yeah. I live in 2021, baby. <laughs> I only have a six man bullpen. Okay. No, it's fair. Uh, I mean it'll yeah, be it's fine. We'll be able to, too. Yeah, we'll be able to do some crossover. I I kind of I just kept adding names in the bullpen where I was like, ooh. <laughs> This guy, this guy, like if I was building an Indians team of all Bob time players, oh, dude, I mean, no, I mean, he might be in there. He might be in there. I'm Eric Plunk and Bob it. Wickman at different ages of their life. Plunk almost <laughs> made mine, not to give it dude, away yet. I was looking up. Okay, we'll get into it. But I was looking up some information about the 95 bullpen, and it's far better than anybody ever gave it credit for. So, yeah. There, it, you know, it had to be that rotation was like, I mean, that is so true. Average, average age of like 43. Oh, gross rotation. <laughs> it really so for Nagy. <laughs> yeah, this will I will forever love El Presidente. But yes, <laughs> no, in no way should we have been hinging all of our hopes on him and Oral Hershiser. <laughs> no, oh, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so let's just dive right in. Let's just get let's into this it. bad boy. Fab, since this, this was your idea, do you want to go with your infield? Yeah, I'll do my infield. Okay. All right. So um, at first base, Frank Robinson. Whoa. At, yeah. At second nice. base, R- Roberto Alomar. And I was going with it under like the assumption it was like the best version of these players. Not necessarily like when they played for the Indians. Because Frank Robinson played a little bit later in his career. Sure. Uh, he re- he actually retired with the Indians. Does that mean uh, I so could have I was Dennis, like, okay, Dennis well, Eckersley in there? Does that mean that uh, it would yeah, work that's, anytime? That's why I have de- that's why I have Dennis Eckersley later in mind. So yes. Okay. Okay. And I have some like insane Hall of Famers. So I was going the way I perceived it, because I in my head I was like, this is gonna be an insane lineup and in, in, uh rotation. I was looking at it as if this is the best version we're getting of each of these players, I'm saying. Okay, that's so, okay. okay. That's fair. I, yeah. I like that we didn't really give we didn't give each other any stipulations. It was totally, just like yeah. no. make a lineup. So like yeah. I actually think now that I'm hearing you, these are gonna be wildly different. Yes, I think they will. I was worried different. that there was gonna be a lot of overlap, but yeah, I'm glad I, we all take took liberties and went our Yeah, I no longer directions. have that fear. Um okay, at shortstop, somebody from the twenties, he was on the nineteen uh twenty World Series team, Joe uh Sewell. He 320 oh, yeah. lifetime batting average, almost a 400 on base percentage. He's in the Hall of Fame. Um, so there's some more familiar names on my bench that we'll get to. And then at third base, my favorite player of all time, Jim Tomey. I like oh, that you put him at third. I like that you went with the I was early years. About- I, ha- I, I had too. to. I, I had I to because I wanted a really good outfield and I wanted to have an insane master at DH. So that's why I had to put him at third base. Hey. Okay. Yeah. And he did play that's third incre- for us for a bit. So that's why. He did. He did. Okay. Surprise, yeah, Travis. No, Fred, yeah, no, I mean, there, I thought about hey. that too. I couldn't think of anybody at first that I would have wanted to switch, but. All right. So, uh, Chris, go ahead. Yeah. So I chose as my. Oh, Fabs, who was your catcher? Or did you oh, say? oh, my God. Uh, Sandy Almar Jr. Okay. Okay. Love him. Love him so much. Okay. I was going to say, I'm going to start with catcher because uh, mine is also Sandy. He was the very first baseball card that I ever remember getting. And I won't bore you guys with the story. 
but he was my first favorite Indian player that I ever remember uh, and was the reason I started catching when I started playing baseball. I have an honorable mention at catcher, but we can kind of, I guess, circle back around with our benches. Yeah, we do our benches. Cool. Yeah, we we'll okay. do our benches in a few minutes. Yeah, okay. absolutely. At first base, Jim Tomey, for obvious reasons. Of course. My favorite second baseman, and I'm probably going to get some flack from this from some people out there, but was and is Jason Kipnis. I love. <laughs> well, we've gone. I love we've gone over dirt this bag, before, man. I love dirtbag Kipnis. We've I, gone over I love this before. So much. Offensively, he's got the stats. Yeah, yeah. Two-time All Star as well. Yeah, he's I mean, an All Star. Like I can't hate it that much. Yeah, no. he was on the fun 2016 team. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there was a couple. There's a couple notes in here, but the the two that really stand out were. And I love his players weekend dirtbag jersey, so I had to go buy that from China. And uh it gets a lot of <laughs> it gets a lot of puzzled looks when I wear it through the stadium. And, and, then, and to clarify, he means the country China. He isn't being racist about an Asian man he buys his jersey from no, that he is no, nicknamed China. I have, I have I have a Chinese <laughs> website that I buy, buy jerseys through. <laughs> You like and him enough, also, but not to buy a, a legit jersey. Exactly, the one exactly. I don't. I don't make. Got, I don't we've make all got that, our limits. I don't make. I don't make enough money to to fuel my jersey habit. Nor would my my wife allow it. That's fair. The other fun little fact with me and Jason Kipnis is we worked together in 2010. It's a story that I tell my nephews, and they still believe it to this day. And I hope I take it to my grave with me that he and I both worked in Akron together in 2010. I mean, te- I guess technically, <laughs> technically we did. <laughs> technically we did, baby. Is, and, uh, yeah, I live in a world of technicalities. <laughs> At shortstop, I it, the shortstop is really kind of where I started having some issues. I almost went the old school route because in our lifetime, we've really only had like four shortstops. And yeah, Omar didn't do it for me growing up. He Ooh. was probably like seventh on my list of favorite players, even in that era. Mm-hmm. And uh, Johnny Peralta was just, you know, Mr. Best, best defensive shortstop and the ball was hit directly at him. Mm-hmm. So again, he, so it really came down to S. Drubel, which I, I don't know why I enjoyed him so much, but I did. And Lindor. And then I found myself looking at a dark horse contender later. But I went with Lindor, even for as much, you know, as we've kind of poo-pooed him and his lack of clutchness, you know, I I still can't hate on the guy. And then at third base, another more recent candidate. um, I'm probably prisoner of the moment when it comes to the infield, to be completely honest. uh, Jose Ramirez. I love his swag. That's a good mm-hmm. one. I almost put him in. I, I love I his had, swag. And, I almost yeah. did him as well. So. Okay. Well, okay. So I went, I think the way I approached it is I, I think I went way further into the realm of best ever. So I have some old school names on the list, um, nice. but there were definitely guys on there. Like Jose was, it was a third base candidate for sure. Um, that I ultimately went with my other choice, but 
Um, I'll start with catcher. My catcher is Victor Martinez. Uh, oh, it's a good one. I, it's a good one. Dude, I loved, loved, loved Victor. I just, you know how like sometimes there's just a player where like you just like kind of connect with them and you're just yeah. like, I love this guy. I love the way he plays the game. I I love everything about this guy. I saw him when he played in Akron. So like I, I knew of him from an early, well, early, you know, standpoint. Um, I just thought he was just such a like rock in that lineup. And it definitely showed in the fact that he was a career with Cleveland, at least for eight seasons, a 297 hitter. Uh, with a 370 on base percentage, like he was just inc- he was just an incredible, yeah, guy that I think was underappreciated. Believe it or not, I think underappreciated at, at that time. And I'll always remember when he like cried when he got traded to Boston. I always think of that. Like that was a guy who legitimately loved playing here, and he was he's like, I mean, unless I'm like forgetting somebody, he's got to be like the best offensive catcher in Indians history. Has to be. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I, yeah, I think, I, I don't think you're forgetting anybody. Inar Diaz was really good. <laughs> that is true. He was a career 420 hitter. So I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, Maybe so, over like a weekend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in a real good series. In a softball league. <laughs> yeah. So Victor Martinez, my catcher. Jim Tomey is my first baseman. That's like a no brainer. I have at second base, Nap Lajoie. So it's oh, a good one. Yeah, that's a good, pull. Um, you know, a classic choice. Um, it's always hard to go back. It, it is difficult to like shoot. Cause like you said, Chris prisoner uh, being a prisoner of the moment. It's like, sometimes I go back and look at the stats of some of these guys who were both Indians and baseball hall of famers. And like the stats are so eye popping that I can't help, but add them to the, like the, to the lineup, like Lajoy hit, just as like one example in 1904, he hit 376 with a 413 on base percentage and hilariously had five home runs and 102 RBIs. And well, the uh, fences like, were also like 500 feet to dead center back in the day. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, the polo so, grounds. So it's hilarious. He was, he played with Cleveland for 13 years. So I also took like kind of like, I, I kind of went more with the longevity and like, okay. I always went more with like what they did in Cleveland as opposed to anything beyond that. So fair for Lajway to play 13 years in Cleveland and hit three, three thirty nine with like 240 stolen bases, three eighty nine on base percentage, almost a thousand ribbies and like 400 doubles. It's like, I can't not add him. So especially when he like, was also named after him for a while. So they say, or no, it was the naps. Yeah. The naps. Um, I, well, I was thinking like the argument about the Indians, but then I was like, no, oh, that team oh. actually was named about. They, yeah. They were, no, they were called legitimately naps. the naps. Yeah. So at shortstop, I actually did put Omar. I feel like I, I wouldn't say that he like did it for me as a kid, but like growing up, everybody, I mean, we loved Omar, you know, the barehanded, yeah, yeah, you know, infield throw and all that kind of stuff. And like, Arguably, is the best defensive shortstop of all time. He's my greatest weakness in the lineup in terms of offense. But if I were to put, make a one through nine and Omar was my nine, I guess I'm doing okay. Totally, um, yes. I, I have him in there just for my defensive purposes. Um, and, and, you know, shortstop for, I would consider Lindor, but I don't know. 
maybe it's just that like I, I didn't care to put him in there because of how long he ended up being on the Indians. And in the grand scheme of things, it's like, I, I would say his last couple seasons of offense, offensive output make me think twice. That's um, 100% so, fair. Yeah, you know, no, I love it. Um, I thought I th- I thought about him too, yeah. And the other one that I actually had a real struggle with was third base. That This was the last hole that I filled on my lineup card where I was thinking Jose Ramirez for a long time, and I ended up going with Al Rosen. Al Rosen was a boss. He currently, he, I That's believe he's still... such a good pick. I believe he still actually has a top 10 all-time war in a single season for a third baseman. In 1953, he hit 43 homers and had 145 RBIs. <laughs> he hit 336 at a 422 on base, had a at a 1.03 OPS, was the MVP that season, was just an absolute maniac. And he played his entire career in Cleveland, 10 seasons, seven full, I believe. So, like, just just an unbelievable player when you when you look at some of his stats he had a stretch there from like 1950 to 53 where he had like 400 some rbis and like a, just a crazy amount of homers and here actually i can do it real quick while we're talking so from 1950 to 1953 he hit 298 had 132 homers 468 rbis 112 doubles his ops was 90 0.927 like it, it's just like it, it's video game stuff for for the 50s and i've just it's like he's like honestly if he had played a little bit longer would have been one of the best third basemen of all time so i got al rosen i got i had to give a little bit of love to the older players because there's some like unbelievable Dude. talent yeah. that, amazing talent yes yes so i, I, I want to throw a little bit of that love so all right so that's my infield fab you want to do your outfield yeah all right, let me. Where's mine at? Sorry, I was looking at the people you were mentioning. It's like fun to look up the old stats and stuff like that. Um, oh, it's incredible. Or, all right, in right field, I mean, goddamn Manny Ramirez. Yes, please. Left field, we're going way back to Tris Speaker. Uh, I know he traditionally played center, but I have some mashers on this team with Frank Robinson, Manny, the person who my DH is. Jim Tomey. So I just want guys to get on base. So I got Tris Speaker, 345 lifetime batting average, 345, 428 lifetime on base percentage. Mm-hmm. In the dead ball era, he still hit 117 home runs and had over 1,500 RBIs. Good so, Lord. and he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And then in center, someone you might have heard of, he started his career with the Indians, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Oh. Yep. Yep. I mean, it, he's he's legendary. Uh, one of the best defensive outfielders of all time. Obviously, his career got shut, cut uh, short because of the, the White Sox scandal or the Black Sox scandal. But yeah, I think that gives me a nice blend of like guys who are going to be on base all the time. Manny doesn't even have to do that much in right field. It's also like one of the easiest right fields to be a def- uh, defensive player in because we have two just legendary defensive outfielders who can also still hit for like way above average, drive in runs. They're fast. They can steal bases. So you get a little bit of that Kansas City Royals 2015 infusion that Steve loves, which I'm going <laughs> like to mention we... every episode. <laughs> Either them or the Rays. It's yeah. Like... It's it's our Rick O'Connell mummy question from yeah. Revenge of the 90s. 
Yeah. Deep cut <laughs> reference for anybody who listens to all of our podcasts. I love it. Chris? Yeah. Okay. So, actually, we have a lot of crossover there, Fabs. All right. Because I, ch- too, chose Manny Ramirez. Yes. That swing, Manny being Manny, there was just so much to love there. I mean, say what you will about his later days, but the man has, you know, 555 home runs to his name, 12, 12 all-star game appearances, which, you know, you can say what you, how you feel about all-star game appearances, but he was just, oh my gosh, as a right-handed hitter growing up, it was between him and Vlad. Oh yeah. I love Vlad. I mean, God, growing up and playing, you know, playing little league, well, those guys were in the bigs. That's just a right-handed hitter who you wanted to be unless you were delusional and try to... I mean, like, Ken Griffey Jr. is a right-handed hitter. This oh, doesn't work, folks. Griffey. So, I think I took maybe Steve's approach in center field and just looked at his playing career in Cleveland and also his best years and went with Gray Sizemore. Because he would have been Ooh, a Hall of yes. Fame candidate mm-hmm. had he kept up those those four or five years that he had, and I just loved his style of play as well. We have and, vaguely we have mentioned that he had vaguely Trout esque numbers in his prime. And Barry Bonds, what is his player comp on Baseball <laughs> Reference through like age twenty six? Crazy, which Man. like you know, say what you will. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer. Even without the roids, had Barry had that mindset, maybe he'd be in by now. And then my left fielder, I went with Joe Jackson as well. Nice. One of the greatest players of his era. And still today, he had a 375 batting average with the Indians. <laughs> that's like video game bullshit numbers. Like, yeah. like and, that's crazy. And he doesn't have the home run numbers, but again, they were playing with fields that were crazy ridiculous back then, but he did average 16 triples a season in his time with wow. the Indians, which blew Jeez. my mind. And plus I just loved how he kind of, you know, the stories, I guess that's like one of the greatest things now is with, obviously the advent of technology, we can go back and read these, you know, write-ups of the, you know, games that, you know, would have been much more difficult. We would have had to you know, go to the library and hope the library had that archival, you know, back in the day. But now with the internet, you know, we can read about this and shoeless Joe, you know, he takes a lot of flack for obviously the black Sox scandal, but, Man's a freaking legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, their baseball back then was like literally sewing yarn yeah. around like a rock. Yeah. Like that's what they were trying to hit. <laughs> yeah. With a twig as the bat. Also, the, the bat. mound the mound was way taller, too. And they yeah, had to like lower it. The mound was it. way taller. The bats were thinner, but somehow weighed nearly 50 ounces. <laughs> like, <laughs> like. My goodness. I know. It's, it, it is incredible, like, what some of these guys were still able to do. It, it also is, like, it makes me think of, like, it's uh, similar to me in a way, like, goalies in hockey would 
play with no mask. Oh my the God. Fact that these guys were playing with gloves that were like basically like thin yeah. pieces of like, <laughs> like barely leather, barely on yeah. their hands. And they were catching like screaming line drives with their bare hands. Basically. <laughs> it would be great though. Like if we were able to go back in time and then we go to a game and we realize it's like, the slowest paced thing we've ever seen in our lives. Where it like those, has to be those screaming line drives are like all of them are just bloopers, and we're just <laughs> yeah. like, oh my god, this was baseball. The fastest <laughs> exit velocity was like seventy five miles an hour. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a part really of me that fast. <laughs> I mean, a part of me does. It's like anything else. It's like, oh, okay, like if Babe Ruth was just like plopped into this era, is he about to like? Is he going to hit? 700 home runs when or seven no yeah exactly right like is he gonna get up there and like face like you know clayton kershaw on his prime and just get like absolutely get his shit rocked or like, and have a scandal where he's like out all night like babe Ruth with social media probably when same with like mickey mantle like yeah. good luck right like these Those days yeah caught up in that stuff so quick like I, it's a lot different now for like I think a guy to house like 12 hot dogs and come in hungover. I don't know if you could play as well in today's major league baseball. Uh, my guess would be no, <laughs> no, not at all. So I actually, I'm a little bummed now that I didn't pick shoeless Joe as my center fielder or put him in my outfield because then I would have had a who's who of Indian cheating legends in my Ooh. outfield. Oh, baby. <laughs> So uh, uh, if that doesn't tell you what my outfield's about to be up. Oh, I know what it is. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. I I love the like whole old timer where they're like, oh, it was so charming how Babe Ruth did like was totally belligerently drunk while playing (laughs) or while like Mickey Mantle did this crazy thing the night before a game. But then it's like a young player posts something. It's like, oh, why is he posting this? Like it's the postseason, and it's like, but his team's not even in it. He should still like have that reverence for the game to understand. Oh, yeah. I know. Like, just Dave oh, Ruth I know. would buy hot dogs from vendors, like after the <laughs> inning was over, and take them back to the dugout with him. <laughs> we need that. We need like, that now. I know. No, I know. I know. It, it's it's gotten so weird. It's like I don't know what era people are referring to because, like, if it wasn't the era where Babe Ruth was eating freaking hot dogs in the dugout there was the era where dudes were sliding into base second base on a different leg so they didn't break their cocaine vial and then there was doc ellis's lsd game and dudes were smoking cigarettes in the dugout and like it's like what era are you referring to where people had this like statesman like reverence for the game it's like everybody has always been an asshole in baseball it's like that let them all be like goofballs like who cares At least it's like, yeah, at least they're like young, fun kids right now who are like, oh, I want to flip my bat. And it's like, how dare you? I, right. Well, oh, well, you know, the unwritten rules say uh, I got to throw it your head. It's like, <laughs> OK, well, maybe don't like groove one in next time. That, that might right. help. Exactly. All right. You were saying you're cheating All right. outfield. All right. So, well, it would have been. Unfortunately, I didn't get to it. Although the Indians do have pretty good outfield all time when, if you were to just pick the cheaters. So Manny Ramirez in right field. I think people do like lose track of the absurd numbers he put up in Cleveland. In 1999, he had 165 RBI. Yeah. Fuck. Here's the other like, crazy thing about Manny, too, is he spent eight years here in Cleveland and eight years in Boston, right? Right. Yeah. 
But you don't Do, think of everybody, it like that. Everybody, no, yeah, no. It, it felt like he was there for like a decade and, and a half, you know, in Boston. But take a look at his numbers offensively. They are almost mirror images of one another, which blows my mind. For 16 yeah. years, the man was just like, this is what I do. Yep. And did it amazingly. From 1995 to 2008, like you said, Chris, it was just automatic that he was going to get over about uh, other than one year, he was going to get 100 RBIs and like 30 homers. Like it was just pencil it in. And the other thing that's like crazy to me is that he finished tied for third in the 1999 AL MVP race when he had 44 homers and 165 RBIs. Like what the hell did the Indians do to the baseball writers that they got no love? It, it's incredible. Never. To me. Yeah, I know. It, it makes no sense. So Manny Ramirez, pencil him in it, right? I have Tris Speaker in center for the reasons that you had outlined, Fabs. Like he's a shoe in, all timer Indian. And then left field, our boy, Albert Bell. Albert Moam Down Bell. Yep. I, I got in my Mo- SUV. And by Moam Down, by Moam Down, I mean I'm gonna take my SUV and drive on the sidewalk <laughs> and kids. I chase kids in my SUV every Halloween in honor of Albert Bell. He is as, I will for, as you should. As everyone should every year. I will never, ever stop thinking about his 50-50 season. And I will never, ever, ever stop bringing light to the fact that he was robbed of the MVP in that year, 1995 as well. So it's very painful. Um, I don't like being reminded of that. But but it is something that I bear. It's a, my cross to bear because I want to make sure that it's never forgotten. So uh, even though he only played, well, he played eight years in Cleveland. So I still think that's like a pretty damn mm-hmm. extensive a, amount of time. Absolutely. He was in yeah. Cleveland because he was in Cleveland in the 80s. So yeah. I mean, he started his career in 89, <laughs> Joey. So Joey turned into Albert the masher and we got eight years of him at hitting nearly 300 and uh, he hit 242 homers like in eight years, he was halfway to 500. And if it wasn't for like the injuries that derailed him and stuff, I mean, he, he would have had a completely different career, maybe a hall of famer. So, but again, like I said, the all time cheaters, you have Manny Ramirez and his performance enhancing drugs. You would have had shoeless Joe in the black Sox scandal. And then Albert bell and his, uh, court. Oh, bat. So, all very different flavors of cheating, which is fun. All right. Uh, DH. I, I mean, did, did you pick any hitter for DH? Any hitter. Or was yeah. It? Yeah. Okay. Any hitter. Any hitter. I think I still, I'm be... still going with mine. All right. Yeah. All right. So go ahead, Fabs. Uh, Albert Bell. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair I enough. just wanted a crazy person in the locker room. who's going to get me 50 home runs. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. very excited for my, my yeah. lineup is like, bonkers i it, they're breaking every offensive record that's ever existed i went with uh larry doby larry doby doesn't get enough recognition i sure. feel in cleveland let alone by major league baseball we have jackie robinson day across the league which is deservedly so the indians have done it twice where they've had larry doby day and they wear his number 14 jersey. The hill I will die on is that I don't give a, the slightest care in the world 
to what Major League Baseball decides to do with the uniforms over Fourth of July weekend. They could shove it for all I care. <laughs> it's stupid. It's fake in a lot of ways, if you ask me. They do it to sell merch. And what I'm about to say is also probably can be held against me because I'm sure the Indians would somehow find a way to sell the merch of Larry Doby Day. But July 5th, every year needs to be Larry Doby Day, even if it is just for the Indians. I'm done with that. I, 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 I like that. Yeah. I mean, the man was a Hall of Famer, broke the color barrier in the American League, like I said, July 5th, and was a rock. Just He had 215 home runs with his time in Cleveland. So, okay, he's my DH. Yeah. I like that. I think that's a good pick. I think it is a shame that he's not recognized more. It's like... No, I don't want. And again, yeah, like I don't want to take away anything from anybody, especially Jackie Robinson. But like, I can't believe you're about to say this, Steve. <laughs> Let me tread lightly. <laughs> they, but it seems like it's like why limit it to one day in April when you could be like, hey, we have another guy who broke it in the American League and did absolutely amazing yeah. things, and we could we could do it in the summer at the height of the season and keep that recognition going. You yeah. know. It's like, it's like, seems like a no brainer to do that. Even if it's just the Indians, I'm totally on board with it. Or I know, I think, and whoever think, they uh, play. Yeah. Day. I think, who, I think the one year that they did it, I think the opposing team, I want to say it was Detroit. I thought they also participated and did the same thing. Yeah. It, it would be cool. I think that would be really neat to do uh, on a regular basis with like more fanfare. Yeah. My DH is Pronk himself, baby. I'm going to Pronkville. Nice. Nice. I am set. I am buying yeah. prime property in Pronkville, which is now absolutely worthless. So. <laughs> well, part of it doesn't even exist anymore. They cut part of those seats That's out. True. Pronkville. Those like Pronkville first like five rows have been was. like shaved off. That yeah. season where he was, he tied that record for grand slams in a year. Oh my god, dude! People like don't understand. Like if you weren't around for the Pronkville years, like it was. It they was great. Fun. I'm looking at his stats. So the thing that kind of put me over the edge for him, aside from him being like a pure DH, which I felt was like, you know, that that helped seal the deal. But the thing that really got me was from 2004 to 2006, Travis Hafner hit 308 uh, with a 419 OBP. He had 103 R- uh, homers, 334 RBIs, 114 doubles. Like he averaged 38 doubles and 34 homers a year. He was unreal. Like, yeah. he got hurt. And I know once he got hit in the face, it kind of like completely destroyed his career. But oh my God, was he an incredible power hitter in those mid 2000s teams? 2005 being the 93 win team. So he was right there for it. And then, um, you, you know, he was obviously part of the. 2007 run as well, but he only hit like 266 that year. Still had 100 RBIs. So, um, and like a 385 on base. So he was like to average an on base of over 400 for three straight years like that. Like that's hard to do. I mean, that's, that's MVP superstar level play. And I, I felt like that needed some love. So I threw good old pronk or project donkey boy into, uh, into the mix. So I'm glad he got a little representation here. I love it. I love it so much. Certainly. Well, that was thrilling. 
I'm very excited about uh, what's to come here now for the uh, pitching staff because that could not have been more different <laughs> in our lineups. That was good. I liked that a lot. We that covered awesome. like all our bases. Uh, do we want you starting pitching or uh, rot- uh, pitching rotation? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go with our rotations. Yeah. All right. So I have five starters. Our ace is going to be Bob Feller. Of course. Uh, Gaylord Perry. Corey Kluber. Okay. Satchel Page is my fourth starter. Okay. Yep. And a real innings eater, Cy Young, is my fifth starter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, it's not, you know, I know the way that you're going. It's like, how could you not put right. Cy Young in the rotation? <laughs> yeah. If, if my first uh, four starters get injured, he could just pitch the remain- remainder of the season uh, and we'll be fine. Right, exactly. <laughs> Satchel Page, that's a great choice. That is a really, really great underrated. Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure, like, I kind of was, I, I was, for this one, I was strategically trying to represent, like, all eras of Indians baseball with, like, Cy Young, Satchel Page being, like, very early, uh, and Bob Feller obviously being, like, the stud of, like, the 40s teams. Gaylord Perry is legendary, legendary, and then like one of my favorites is like Corey. I like I love Corey Cooper so much, and just how good he was in that 2016 postseason. Like we we don't get to the World Series, we don't we don't sniff a Game Seven of the World no. Series without Corey Cooper. So when he was on, dude, like yeah, and and it's just like a mixture of different types of pitchers too. But I mean, I I love this rotation so much. All right, so I also, uh, again, we share some uh, similarities here, Fabs. You stole a little bit of my thunder, but I think I'll make up for it. But Bob Feller is my number one. Corey Kluber, number two. I went CeCe. Tilted cap was fun. Plus, he is probably one of the better pitchers here in the last... uh, I mean, he won a Cy Young. You know, he won a Cy Young here. Um, 2007 doesn't happen without him? No, no. And, I mean, of this generation of pitchers, he was obviously, you know, he had 251 wins when he called it quits. You know, that he almost got to that mythical 300 number, which I don't know if we'll ever see again. Based for reasons, probably purely just because of his later playing days and internet meme-ness, if that's a word, meme-ness. I'm going to big sexy, Bartolo Colon. (laughs) That's such a good pick. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, the fact that he just popped up. That's my El Presidente. The fact that he just (laughs) popped up on my Instagram Hitting bombs in softball leagues the past like three weeks, just jogging yep. around bases. I'm like, yes, sir. Damn, I love that guy. Yes, Amazing. sir. And then my fifth starter was uh, Cy Young. Okay. Even though, and I, I included his time with the Spiders, even though it's not technically you know the same franchise. The man played with the Spiders for uh, nine seasons, and then the Naps for three seasons and there's an award supposedly named after him. So he must be pretty <laughs> like good. a pitching award. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess he's pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would think so. 
Okay, so there's actually, there's some crossover and then I have a coup that you guys didn't have. So this is fun. I'm having so much fun. All right. Uh, so obviously Bob Feller is your ace. Uh, that goes without saying. Corey Kluber is your number two. I have CC obviously in there as well. Well, maybe not obviously, but I think CC holds a pretty rightful place at the top of all time Indians pitchers, even though I think he was only with the Indians for eight seasons. Yeah, it was eight seasons, but, and obviously some of those seasons were some of those like early struggles, you know, those early years where he was kind of figuring out who he was. And of course he wins the Cy Young in 2007 and is traded the next year to Milwaukee. So it's like, cool. We get to trade him away in his prime, but you know, so it goes, we did Michael Brantley out of it. So not the worst thing, but I've got CC my, as my, well, could be a fifth starter, really, based on who's in here. I've got Bob Lemon as my four. His stats are pretty incredible. He played 13 seasons, and he pitched all of them with the Indians. He had a 3.23 career ERA, and he uh, was just, you know, I think the thing that like really stands out with him is unbelievable consistency. He has some some pretty great numbers, but what I kind of looked at was like the longevity of his career in Cleveland and how, and obviously like winning a world series in 1948, he had just an unbelievable track record with the team. Also fun fact. One day I was, I live on the East side of Cleveland and one day I was mowing my grass and a, a woman drives up as I'm mowing my lawn and she stops in front of my house She's like in her mid sixties or something like that. And, or maybe even older seventies, maybe. And she was like giving me the whole rundown of the neighborhood and everything and what it was like in the fifties, which was pretty interesting. Um, She really had like a photographic memory of the neighborhood. And then she throws this little kernel in there and she goes, Oh yeah. in the 1950, cause she lived on my street. She said in the 1954 season, Bob Lemon lived at that house and I babysat his kids and Bob Feller would come over all the time. And I was like, uh, what? Like, it was like, just this like little thing she like dropped where she was like, Oh yeah. And like this, you know, this was the neighborhood. And then that's amazing. Bob Lemon lived right there. And mm-hmm. yeah, Bob Feller would come over all the time and I, you know, hung out with him and it was just like, Oh, okay. And then she was like, okay, bye. And then she just drove off. So, and then she got like I mean, real explicit on some sexual things that happened. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and then three hours later, she said, okay, bye. And then, yeah. So then you I think that's a pretty everything. cool story. I, I, that's I amazing. Need con- I need to confirm it. I've, I need to like find if anybody out there knows of a way in which you can like look back on like that far of a house's ownership. I would love to know. And I would love to confirm that this was the case in 1954. But if that's true, because uh, Bob Feller lived in like Chesterland, I believe. Right, Chris? Wasn't it Chardon, like out- Chesterland area? Yeah. yeah. So it's not inconceivable. They would take 322 up Mayfield Road and just come right yep. up where I'm at. So I'm optimistic. I would think that would be sweet if that was the case. So that's, that's awesome. my Bob Lemon story. I think <laughs> that may have gone partly why I added him, but I think that's as, cool. like a, as a total career, it's incredible. It's actually really, really impressive what he did. I love it. My number five is Sam McDowell. So, okay. Okay. Sam McDowell was an unbelievable strikeout machine. He had 
like 300 strikeouts in a season twice. He had a couple, he had a season where he had a sub two ERA. He had a 181 ERA in 38, 37 starts in 1968, which like <laughs> that's insane with 283 strikeouts. He had a 218 ERA in, in 1965. Now he played for 11 seasons with the Indians. And in 11 seasons, his career ERA with the Indians was sub three. Like the dude was, and he played in an era where the Indians had no offense at all. And a lot of those pitchers from the 60s and 70s don't get their due because of how god awful those teams were. And that was the only thing the Indians had were pitchers. But Sam McDowell, man, he deserves a spot at, near the top of the Indians. Uh, all-time pitching rotation. So I've got him uh, anchoring my five-man. So, all right. So sweet. This is where things are going to get real funky because our bullpens are all over the place. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think I went with the full 13-man. You guys went with like a six. I could always, I could shave off a few, but I'll throw out some names uh, when I get to mine. But I I want to hear what you guys have. Okay. So I I did a six-man bullpen. I went with, a mixture of a couple of starters that I couldn't put in my rotation that could fill in for injuries. We could do a, a bullpen, a, bu- a bullpen day if Cy Young's really struggling because he would be like 120 years old. Uh, so I, I have Bob Lemon as one of my starters who's in the bullpen uh, from age 28 to 35 of those nine seasons, seven of them, he had at least 20 wins for the Indians, which is crazy. Mm hmm. Was he your long man? Yeah, he's my long. I have two long men. Okay, him and CC Sabathia is my other long man. Your lefty of the bullpen. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, then I have the madman himself, Jose Mesa. Yep. Um, Love it. I have uh, Rafael Betancourt. Ooh. Yeah, love I it. loved him. I just like I absolutely really enjoyed love him. it, dude. I love yeah. it. And then my setup man. The player of the ALCS in 2016, Andrew Miller, mm-hmm. even though he was only with us for a few seasons, they were super memorable. And then my closer is prime Dennis Eckersley. Okay. Dennis Eckersley turning around and watching the home run that Manny hit off the scoreboard and just going, <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a bad practice. Oakland- yeah. <laughs> As a Oakland A, yeah, I I love some of the Dennis Eckersley, Eckersley stories, uh, post playing and uh, off the field. He almost made my list. Just also, for like the stories, I was semi thinking about some of the like tell all books that would come out from this yeah. team with having Jose Mesa, Dennis Eckersley, Manny Ramirez, Albert, Albert Bell, Bell. <laughs> like all on the same team. Like, good God. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Very good. All right. So that's my bullpen. Nice. nice. Uh, yeah. So I, as- I like how creative you, you really went with like full on like rays where you were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to just start blending the lines. It was hard because the Indians like have an insanely good history with starting pitchers. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I don't want to like limit some of these dudes that were like, and like, I wanted to make sure CC made it on the, on the team somehow. Cause like, as I was filling out my, I had him as like my number three. And then I was like looking up 
just more people. And then he just kept getting bumped down. Eventually he was six. So I'm like, shit. And then Bob Lemon, I'm like, oh, where do I put both these guys? I'm like, fuck it. Let's put them in the bullpen. <laughs> We're going to get like seven innings from our starters anyway. So it's not even going to matter. Like all of our I mean, starting Bob pitchers and are, are going to give you complete games. More, yeah. Apparently more. Yeah, often dude. Than Gaylord so. Perry is going to give me a complete. Cy Young is like, I can do the double header if you need me to. Like, just let, let me know. I got I, 18 innings right to go. Like, see, that's the thing. You're going to get some disgruntled guys in the bullpen. Like, CeCe's going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. It's like, trade me now. <laughs> well, that's actually right. a really good segue for an omission that I made with my roster, guys. I didn't have a long man. And I feel like some of the guys that I left off my list, which you guys have covered, so I won't go too in-depth, but uh, Sam McDowell, Bob Lemon, Earl Wynn, Charles Nagy, and Mel Harder all probably are in the contention for my long, long man okay. um, spot. So Fair, fair. I didn't I pick it. one of them to make the roster. Oh, my early bullpen is My bullpen is a little bit more uh, straightforward bullpen. Guys who actually were kind of in the bullpen. So um, yeah. more recent players i guess because you know back in the day there was really no bullpen mm-hmm. so with that said i'll start with the guys that did make the roster satchel page again we were none of us were obviously alive to watch him play but watching interviews with him now because of archival footage that man oozed confidence and coolness like none other and the fact that he was 41 years old when he made his major league debut in 48. Crazy. Just, well, let me say, let me back up. Was supposedly 41 years old when he made his debut. Right. I don't think he even knew how old he truly was. Is awesome. And he's also a Hall of Famer. My other just coolness factor and age guy is a current Indian Steve has, I think, learned and uh, maybe didn't realize just my affection towards this this guy, but Ali Perez mm-hmm. just <laughs> drips of just like this swagger you, that, like, when yeah, I, grow I was going to say, you, I want you to fell be, in love with the swag, man, dude. The swag is off the charts. When yep. the Indians posted the picture of him walking into the spring training facility last week. Of like this track jacket, like unzipped with like no undershirt. The man's graying, drinking a coffee, like giving a thumbs up and does not look out of place with like the 24 year olds. I was like, damn, that man is confident. And the fact that he has like, I don't think he's ever repeated a delivery in his life is also really fun. <laughs> yeah, I can appreciate like, that. I just you got to have the, about him. A bullpen's got to have a, an old gamer vet yeah in it gotta have it yeah i mean otherwise who's gonna teach the young bucks how to how to do things that's true that's um, fair speaking of a young buck i love current indian james karen the fact that he's like going all in on and probably the closest thing to a rick vaughn and Carsey like incarnation that we'll ever see in real life with like the 99 and Supposedly looking at getting the glasses, like Rick Vaughn is, he, is, is an he all really? time. 
That's that was that was the rumor. I don't didn't know how his, true it is. He cut his he hair. Cut his didn't hair. He? he cut it. He yeah. did the haircut too. Yeah, like, that's cool. He is the closest embodiment of Rick Vaughn and Rick Vaughn. I don't. Not even baseball movies. Rick Vaughn is a top ten movie character all time. Wow. I would say a sports movie. You can make that argument for sure. Oh, easily sports movie easily. Awesome. So he's in my my bullpen. Uh, James Karinchek. I got your your um, bullpen's a little shaky, my friend. I'm I, you know I'm getting a little <laughs> I I'm getting nervous about your bullpen. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna throw a name down that's gonna <laughs> ease you off the ledge because I'm gonna okay. go with Bob Wickman. I can go with Joe Borowski. I went with a man who when you when you gave him the ball in the ninth inning, you knew he was gonna go save Cody Allen. Yep. Like yep. and that's why he makes my bullpen is because when Cody Allen got the ball, I wasn't about to vomit. Right. The threshold was so is so low for that closer's history in Indians, you know, Indians history that yeah. I was like, Cody Allen makes it by default. You didn't put Brad Hand in? No. I can't trust a man who might throw 91. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I know. He loses like five miles an hour on his fastball, and we were supposed to just hand him ten million dollars right yeah. here. <laughs> like yeah. sight. And unseen. I'm just like, uh, like uh, and he was getting, he was teetering on Joe Borowski, Bob Wickman levels Dude. of of just na- nauseating, will he, won't he levels it's, the, the past couple of years. It's Even like, though he like led, you know, or was second in the league last year in saves. Well, that's the thing is like, I'm all for, I, you know, I'm all for every version of stats, advanced stats. I, I will go as deep as anybody wants to on looking at the advanced metrics of any player. But sometimes the sight test does help put some does put some things into context. And when he lost that velocity on his fastball, Brad Hand was he made you sweat every batter, especially last season. I'll give I won't go. I don't think 2019 was as rough an experience, but like last year was like he got out of it. I mean, obviously, way more often than not. But it was like, oh, my God, was it tough? It was tough to where it. You know, we moving on probably, was the only, the smart decision. It was the only we probably would have all died of heart attacks had it been a regular length season. Game, I don't even know if he would have made it. I don't even know if he'd have lasted as a closer the whole season. No, he would was a, no, I don't think no. he would have. Rounding out my my bullpen um, was one of the first pro athletes I ever met, and it had to have been like 1990, 91. and. I have the picture somewhere. I got to find it. I think it's at my parents' house. But this man looked miserable in the said photo. Um, <laughs> probably because he was just getting his picture taken with, like, snot-nosed little kids, like, you know, for two hours before the game. But Doug Jones and his mustache. <laughs> yes. And he was actually yes. pretty good, too. Doug, Doug Jones had a great stretch in the 80s. Doug the Jones Indians. had a really good stretch. And then yep. to round it out, I had to include one of my relatives. Wasn't easy. I had a lot of choices. I had two. I had Brian and I had Heathcliff. And I went with Heathcliff <laughs> to round yep. out my bullpen. Heathcliff Slocum. Just you know, it's always funny when I, I uh, bump into some you know an old timer and they always ask if we're related, and uh, I have to let them down softly and let them know. No, mm-hmm. me and Heathcliff are. Are not you know uncle and nephew or distant cousins, but uh, I, I will claim him as one mm. if he 
if he will claim me as one, plus the spelling's a little bit closer than Brian, and uh, truth be told, Heathcliff was way better than Brian Slocum. So he rounds up my bullpen in my Heathcliff, purely... I like that Heathcliff Slocum pitched one season with the Indians. Not even a full season. Only 20 games. 20 games. In 93. 90, in 93, 20 games. Actually, oh, funny man. enough, he did go on. After that 93 season, he had a stretch from like 94 to 97. So again, Steve, I'm borrowing your kind of working mentality of I'm getting the best player, you know, despite what wherever they were. And from 94 to 97, he was actually pretty solid. And okay. It kind of makes me wonder. I was like, I know we had a sneaky, decent bullpen in 95, like you alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, if you could have had Heathcliff Slocum added to that mix. Would have been solid. That's just one more dude. One more guy right. out of the pen who I think his ERA was maybe right around three over that period. But he had like 20 saves a season not that we needed that but i was like my goodness he could have been he made an all-star team too for crying out loud i like it uh, that that's so, a deep cut you you really went with cut. your heart on that one i okay, never man, i got i gotta support my family if i had I understand. guesses I, I wouldn't have guessed half of your bullpen <laughs> no, that my bullpen is where I really got off the rails and just had, started having fun with it. Your bullpen is where the Dolans decided, like, we're not spending any more money. We, uh, hey, Chris, uh, you've reached your max limit. You're tapped out. You got to still put together a bullpen. Yeah, give me yeah. six guys for under a million dollars combined. Yeah, I did it. I did it. <laughs> All right. All right, my bullpen. Uh, some familiar names and a couple I'll throw out there as uh, other options that we haven't talked about yet. So obviously, my back end of my bullpen, my 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 uh, closer is Cody Allen. My my eighth inning guy apparently could be Jose Mesa. So you got Mesa and Allen closing up shop in the eighth and ninth. It's not too bad. Not too I shabby. Like I like it. Your seventh inning guy in that case might be Raphael Betancourt. So nice. I've got Betancourt possibly as my seventh guy. That's what I was thinking um, too. Nice. Andrew Miller's floating around there around as my lefty, my king lefty. Doug Jones I have in the mix. Uh Doug Jones had an, a pretty incredible run with the Indians in the 80s to where he was getting some MVP consideration. He was in like, you know, 15th and 88 uh 23 in 1990, but he had like a sub two, he had 256 ERA or below each of those He three was a five-time seasons. All-Star. Yeah, dude, Doug Jones was great. He was a great three, pitcher. three with the Indians, and then five overall. Like yeah. that man does not get enough love. Yeah, he really. You does know it. what? You know what? I, I want to say this. I have and a pet mustache. peeve, and the mustache. I have a pet peeve with the Indians that they keep trotting out the same alumni for their right. various events. Yep. Bring me in, freaking Doug Jones. Yes. Totally. I would love that. I got seventy-five Doug Jones cards lying around. He, I, if I could get a Doug Jones auto, that'd be kind of fun. I would love to see that. And I would love to see some more like early 2000s guys. Because yes. we're now approaching 20 years of that those years being done. So I'd be very happy to like, because I grew up with those teams. You know, you're reaching like our generation that those are the old timers for us. So yeah. I would like to see that. Not to divert from this. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. No, to- no, it's all good. Okay, the other guy you we keep talking about the 1995 bullpen, Julian Tavares. 
Oh, oh nice. Was a rookie yeah, in 1995, and he was a nice. boss. And he also comes to all the Lake County Captains games still, and you can get his autograph. So that's cool. And it, he lives in the area still. So that's cool. I think he opened up like a an academy. If I'm not, I believe mistaken. he has some kind of uh, baseball or pitching academy of some sort. Yes. Yeah. So he gets him and uh, Joe Charbonneau coming and, back. Uh, no offense to Charbonneau, but Julian, it's cool. I'm blanking on the perfect game name, but he lives in the area. Oh. Yes. It's Len Barker. It's like hilarious Len that we Barker. blank on that because they put it in our face every single year of, of the perfect well, game. Like, I'm, well, I'm, to circle yeah. back around yeah. on the uh, alumni, it's always Lenny Barker and Joe Charbonneau. And no offense to either one of those. Both of those men made the big leagues and had careers, but there's only one accomplishment that each of those guys really has in the fact that Len Barker threw his perfect game and Charbonneau won the rookie of the year. Outside of that, their careers were, you know, just average. And it's cool that they're, it's cool that they do so much. And they're still in the area. Yeah. Community. That's cool. It's just, I would love to see more variety. Um, yes, yes. You know, if I'm a fan going to like a tribe fest or something or, you know, whatever it'll be called moving forward, it's like, yeah. Okay, great. No, it's awesome. I love Len Barker, Joe Charbonneau. I've met him before gotten autographs from him. Sweet. It's like, but if I'm paying X amount of dollars for an alumni signing, make it like convince Albert Bell to come to one. Like, oh my like, God. Yeah. like back up get the him to truck come. and get him. Yes. Like, I don't know. Tell what, him, like, know. we're going to put a bunch of infants in the outfield. <laughs> and we'll give you the bullpen cart and hit as many as you want. Yeah. <laughs> you can throw the batteries at the fans this time. <laughs> yeah. No, it was change. It was coins. It was loose oh, change. Coins. Right, right, right. Oh, because he took that contract. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Batteries. That would have been rough. <laughs> that, we're not Philadelphia. I mean, that's true. <laughs> Batteries uh, is old- like Penn State, Notre Dame back in like the <laughs> early 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The only other two names I have out there, real crazy. I went real wild with it, uh, building my oh, bullpen. Boy. But a couple names that people don't really ever think about, but Ray, Ray Narleski pitched with the Indians in the fifties before we were ever really keeping track of like relief pitching stats. But for his like first three seasons, he came out of the bullpen and uh, was an all-star had an MVP campaign in 1955 was like number six, ended up being sixth in the MVP voting pitched like 111 innings, had a 371 ERA with like 19 saves his, his, uh, let's see in 1954 to 56, his stats were, ERA of like 270 and uh, yeah he was like an innings eater so I, I wanted to give the guy from the 50s some love in the bullpen nice. and like then it. my last guy is a guy I wanted to give some love to from the 70s um, let me get pull up his thing here real quick Jim Kern so Jim Kern was another just innings eater guy Pitched like 117 in, uh, innings in 1976 with the Indians. Had a 237 ERA. Had 15 saves. 18 in 77. 13 in 78. And then he went to Texas in 79 and pitched 143 innings and was fourth in the Cy Young voting and had 29 saves and a 157 ERA. That dude was the real deal in the 70s. And uh, I thought I would give him some love uh, too if I was going to span the decades with my bullpen. Because I think I ended up with like 
the 50s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and then the mid-2000s and the most recent. So I really tried to go as wide a swath as I could. I like um, it a lot. So, all right. That was fun. That was really good. So what we'll do is we'll find a way. We'll we'll put all these lineups and, and rosters together to where everybody can kind of uh, we get people to vote on what they think the best uh, roster is. Take oh, you guys, uh, you guys have some bench players. I too? had some on. I, I had some bench honorable mention type yeah, guys. Throw, throw six, them out there. Yeah, I have six bench players. Chris, you go first. And then so give give us the bench players, and then Chris segue into our uh, random Indian of the week to top right. things off. All right. Okay, so, so I'll do ahead. mine first then. Um, okay, so I need a pinch runner, so I'm going Kenny Lofton. Oh, I love it, Larry Doby to play some outfield. You can hit in case the bases are loaded. I have Pronk to drive in a grand slam. <laughs> um, the the have, Matt Stairs specialist. Yes, that's what like Matt Stairs was brought in to do. Just like a right. match a home run. Yeah, uh, Jose Ramirez, yep. Lindor, and <laughs> my dad's favorite Indian, Rocky Calavito. Oh yeah, mm. dude, they got the. Um, your dad will be really happy about this. Cuyahoga yes. County is giving. Little Italy, the funding that it needs to build the Rocky Calavito statue oh, that's on the awesome. east side. Which so, we, awesome. uh, as a group, need to talk offline about buying a brick. Oh, Ooh, yes. Yeah. So uh, we shall. We'll, we'll circle back to that because I don't think that's going to make for a great podcast segment. <laughs> yeah, unless we got some sure. people who you don't want to get into Unless everyone wants to get in on it. And, yeah, I mean, hey, maybe we can do like uh, our listeners donate, you know. And uh, it's the California little, Penal League and, and listeners, Brick. A little slush fund for us. I yeah. like it. Yeah. So my bench, I had Victor Martinez as a catcher. Slash first baseman. Slash first baseman. Yeah, I, I actually, oddly enough, somehow managed with my bench to find guys who played multiple positions. So my bench Smart. is uh, versatile. Versatile. I went with Robbie Alomar as my, I guess, um, middle infielder or one of my middle infielders and uh, base dealer. Growing up, the Blue Jays were also and and still are a team that I like, and so I was, you know, obviously fortunate enough to watch Robbie with not only the Indians but the Blue Jays, and he was so fun to watch, just not fun enough because. He and I were never gainfully employed uh, employed uh, at the same time by the same organization. It does make so a difference. It does. He did spit in an umpire's face. He, well, I mean, let's take the good with the bad. You throw him into the mix with some of these psychos yeah, that we're putting on yeah. this roster. <laughs> yeah. I have a just fondness of guys who just play forever and ever and goofy batting stances. So Julio Franco. Oh, yeah. Is another. He almost actually made my list as the shortstop, just based purely on his batting stance. Mm-hmm. He was also pretty good too. That's true. Yeah, that would have been a worthy pick. Yeah, yeah. I like to think so. Michael Brantley, because when putting my roster together, I was like, "Ooh, I got a bunch of mashers. I need a dude who's going to be super clutch outside of uh, Shoeless Joe." Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Brantley, and just he was also just. The one stat with Brantley was how amazing and uh, how many outfield assists he would accumulate. Yeah. 
that no one no one talks about. It doesn't show up as much in the box score. And then uh, my honorable mention DH was Eddie Murray. And it wasn't until this past oh, week him. when I went back and they looked at his numbers, even with just the Indians, he was awesome. Average like 20 home runs, like a 300 <laughs> batting average at like age 37. Right. And then when he, um, I, I also put him on the list because he was the hitting coach for a while in those uh, mid 2000 teams. And he just always looked pissed off. Yeah, that looked like he, he, looked he was like there he against never his wanted will. To be there. Yeah, he was there against his will. <laughs> He's like, I'm just here that. so I get a paycheck. Yep, I remember that. But Eddie Murray was okay. was kind of the boss. So love it. That that rounds out my bench. Love it. I may have to throw some bench guys out there uh, offline to round yeah, out mine. Certainly, certainly. All right, hit us with this uh, random Indian close. of the week. All right. So. Segwaying into that, this random Indian is a son of a former major league player who was a part of the Big Red Machine. He himself played for 13 seasons, was only an Indian for 37 games, however, and was the sole player traded in one of our famous leasing trades of the Mariners in the mid-aughts. I have another hint that might be kind of my dead giveaway, but let me know if I need to go to that or not. It's not Eduardo Perez, is it? Is that your guess? Yeah. That was going to be my guess, too. That's your guess? It is Eduardo. It is Eduardo. (laughs) Yeah, my my mind immediately went to Perez. I was like, okay, I think. So my okay, so my initial, my initial when you said the sun, I was like, oh, Aaron Boone. But the big red machine is what made me pause because I wasn't sure if Bob Boone had ever played for them. uh, Yeah, for them. And so then when the thing that gave it away was the fleecing because like I will never ever forget us constantly fleecing the Mariners for like three straight years. <laughs> ben Broussard. I was, oh, I forgot about Broussard. Remember that? I forgot. <laughs> I just remembered this trade specifically where we traded Eduardo straight up for Estrubel. <laughs> and Dude, like, then, then like, it, like Eduardo like went and played like 40 games with the Mariners and then like retired. Like, <laughs> it's just, like just that makes no, like, like absolutely no sense. On yeah. what planet do you do that trade? Like I just I and then Broussard was like the year before or something. I think Broussard was the year before, and then we still hit him back up and got Sinsu Chu. <laughs> That's right. Like that is right. And then were they involved in the Bauer trade somehow? No, I don't think so. Okay, I couldn't remember if there was a fourth team involved or not in that trade. Man, I got, I'm gonna. I really got to see here who Ben Roussard was traded for. I got to see this. No, I don't. In the there was a third team in the in the Bauer trade. It was the Diamondbacks, Indians, and Reds. I know for sure. But I thought that somehow the Mariners were 
quasi involved in that. I could be completely off base. So you might be right, but I wanted to throw out there the Ben Broussard deal was actually Shinsu Chu. So okay, in 2006, the Indians traded Ben Broussard to the Mariners for a player to be named later in Shinsu Chu. And then they sent Sean Nottingham. Remember that name? Yes. Um, yes. They sent Sean Nottingham to the Indians as the player to be named later. But Shinsu Chu is obviously the, the marquee name. And then in December of the next year, the Mariners traded Broussard to the Rangers for Tug Hewlett. So we basically, we, we got to ask Drupal Cabrera and Shinsu Chu from the Mariners for just nothing. Like nothing. Absolutely nothing. Even dating back to the mid 2000s, the Indians have been like kings of making deals across the league. Like, I don't know if, if for over the last like 15 to 16 years, if you haven't gotten on board yet with what this front office can do, it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Their, their track record amongst really even you can kind of divide it into like the Shapiro years and the Antonetti years. And it's just been super consistent and fleecing teams and trades has been one of their big MOs along with developing pitching. And thank God, because we are not bringing free agents in. We're not bringing free agents in and we don't know how to develop a bat. (laughs) Hopefully that's changing here. Finally with some of these prospects, but, but for the better part, we, we haven't, I think one of our next, uh, one of our next uh, upcoming episodes, it would be fun to trace some of the transactions from like the mid 2000s to like the middle to like maybe like 2010 ish time to like see how they built the current or like the, you know, the World Series Certainly. roster. But Certainly. like I was looking at like in 2006, they traded both Broussard and Perez and got S. Drubal and Shinsu Chu. And then in 2008, you know, they traded CC obviously for Michael Brantley. What, what became that? And then Shinsu Chu was involved in the Trevor Bauer deal, I believe. So yeah. it's fun. It's like I we're definitely gonna have to do some tracing of some stuff just to like see how we got to this point. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. So, and we can talk more about fleecing the Mariners, which is always a good time. I never ever feel bad dunking on the Mariners. They, well, the they thing is like. To- they love to pimp their 111 win season and Ichiro stealing the uh, rookie of the year award away from CC. And that's really, and I think we, uh, I think Fab's also brought it up 95 when they made the ALCS, like as a Mariners fan, I'm sorry. If those are like your three biggest, like crowning achievements, like, Oof. It might be I mean, as yikes. as bad as the Pirates are right now. Being a Mariners fan might be the most depressing baseball fan existence. It's they awful. always seem they always seem to be like right about to make that turn. Also, they had probably two of the top four players of the generation with A Rod and Griffey, and like yeah. probably one of the best pitchers of that generation with Randy Johnson. And like nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for it. Yeah. God. And and the team's never even made a world series. No, I, my my heart truly like does go out to those fans that have been faithful. 
because it's it's a rough existence. And like and they've and they've made awful free agent signings. So like many uh, the Cano yeah. one sticks the out. Deal. They do not draft well. They don't acquire anybody. It's like just rampant mediocrity. And they've seen literally every team in their division like be good in the right, time different since eras. they last yeah, been different yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. Right, exactly. Oh god. Well, since yeah. let's even just think quickly think about this. Since ninety five. Okay, since they were made the ALCS, the Angels have won a World Series. The Rangers, the Rangers have been to two. went to two. Yep. The A's have been consistently good since A's the early two thousand. The Astros have been to and the Astros two. have since one. joined the division and like gone. They've been and to cheated their way into you know. Yeah, winning oh one. right, since they joined the division, right, right, yeah. Man, yeah, that's tough. And, and like, there's no end in sight. Like, they're no. still like deep in a rebuilding phase. Yeah, they they're always in a rebuilding phase, and it's it's remarkable because like that division, like the Angels haven't been consistently good since I don't know the mid two thousands, maybe the late, maybe like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. The Rangers were good for like a four year span. The A's were. They're fine. Like every every three years, they'll be like a wild card team. And then Houston's been good like the last five years. So it's not like there's been like two dominant. It's not like you're like with the, no. the Red Sox and the, the Yankees or right, like right. you have no excuse for being this bad with with how bad the rest of your division consistently is. Yeah, mention- it's always it's it's that it's a way more cyclical division that the Mariners just don't ever seem to be a part of. And and won't be for some time. It's like, oh, we have Jared Kelnick coming up, and it's like, great, cool. What else? Exactly. <laughs> like, you have <Yeah>. no pitching. <laughs> you have no other young. I mean, you got some young talent floating around. I know they had um, the, the rookie of the year, Lewis, right? Yeah, yeah, Kyle Lewis. So you know, I don't want to say they don't have anything because they do do have some young talent. But it's like, <laughs> you know, who who really knows? I don't. I don't put a ton of faith in that organization they're about 10 pieces away from contending yeah yeah something like that let's see what kyle lewis did last well screw it i don't want to look at his 2020 numbers that's like (laughs) not even (laughs) i was like oh cool let me look at his numbers and it's like from 2020 yeah no i mean yeah we'll just we'll worry about that later all right very good so that wraps things up so we'll uh follow up on social with uh some of our lineups here and uh hopefully it make sure uh, to check it out uh, on debates most likely probably find its way onto the, I'd say the Instagram account. That just seems to be the uh, most natural fit for it. So if you're not following us there, guys, uh, do it. Oh, you hip, on it. Yeah. You hip TikTok youngsters. Follow us on the gram. <laughs> Dance yeah. all over onto the Instagram. We're doing a lot of cool stuff on the gram. We're doing it for the gram. Yeah, we do it for the gram. Yep. We do it for the gram on the gram. Uh, we're also on any other social network of choice. Cal Penal Pod. Uh, Be sure to check us out. Follow us, rate, uh, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll catch you guys later. On the line. 